Welcome to Real Estate Real World, where we talk to the movers, shakers, and leaders that are getting it done right now in the real estate industry and beyond. Your host is Marguerite Crispillo, and she started this podcast simply to talk to cool people about what's really happening in this crazy roller coaster ride of real estate. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and stay up to date on the newest stuff by adding yourself to the list at www.realestaterealworld.com. Now your host, Marguerite Crispillo. Welcome, everybody. This is Marguerite Crispillo, and thank you so, so much for joining us on Real Estate Real World today. I am over the moon excited about my guest today. I have known this guy since around 1997, I think, and he is truly one of my favorite people in the world, uh, a mentor for me in many ways. And so welcome to the show, Dean Jackson. Oh, I'm very excited to be here. Well, I'm so excited, and I'm going to tell my funny story is that I think that everyone thinks things go perfect all the time, right? And so I had uh, messaged you a couple weeks ago asking about this, and he has this really cool little website where you just go and you schedule your appointment. So I made my own stinking appointment, and then I screwed it up on my calendar. So I'm glad you were flexible and rescheduled. I'm sitting there waiting and waiting, and no Marguerite. <laughs> Well, you know what's so funny is I saw it. you dial in on Skype. I'm like, oh, that's weird. Why is he calling me now? <laughs> you see? Well, there you go. That's funny. Well, here we are. Here we are. So I, my show was actually inspired by your show. You and Joe Polish do an amazing one called I Love Marketing. Right. And I remember listening to it back in the day. And, well, it's still on. It's still an amazing, amazing podcast. 250 and, episodes now. 250. Mm -hmm. What year did you guys actually start it? So we started um, five years ago. We started in uh, actually Christmas of 2010. So our first episode went live on like January 2nd of 2011. So it's five years, 250 episodes. And, you know, you always seem to be ahead of the curve. So I'm curious, what inspired you to do a podcast? Like, where did that come from? Well, I started, I did a podcast in 2005 called Marketing Monday. And that was a um, one of the very first podcasts when it was just becoming real. And uh, so I had been doing a podcast all, all that time just by myself. And then Joe um, Polish and I, we've known each other for over 20 years now, and we ha always have conversations like the ones we have on the podcast. And one night after having, a, you know, we talked for two hours and we were saying, you know what, we should be recording these conversations because we would always get together and just brainstorm and share the cool things that are um, going on. And Joe had the name, I Love Marketing. Dot com and uh, I said, well, yeah, that's the perfect thing. Let's let's do that. So 250 episodes later, we've got one of the top marketing podcasts in the world. I mean, it's kind of been amazing how it's grown and all the uh, global reach of something like a podcast. You know, I think it's so powerful, and I refer people to your guys' podcast all the time because I, I, I think no matter, obviously, it crosses all barriers, any industry that you're in, whether you're in real estate or whatever it is, and and I'm I'm cracking up because I do remember Marketing Monday, but I don't remember knowing that that was a podcast. Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that was the thing, right? Before 
I mean, it was a podcast, but that was when the word podcast was just kind of getting started and iTunes launched it, I think, in, um, I think, 2005, whenever that was. So I was one of the one of the first ones on there. So it was kind of cool. Always a pioneer. Yeah. I know that. And I remember I, I'm I'm thinking about the names that you have, too, because I met you back around 1997. Mm-hmm. So it's been almost 20 years, I think, yeah. since I've met you. And you were speaking with Joe Stump back in the back in the That's day right. at Viral only, yes. and you started these things called Internet Marketing Weekend. Uh-huh. And this was literally, I don't think, at least for the real estate industry, this was like unchartered territory. Like right. nobody even really understood. We were just getting the MLS for God's sake. Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember going there with uh, Eric Blackwelder mm-hmm. and all those guys and uh, Terry Hunnefeld and doing the Internet Marketing Weekend. And the big push back then was domain names, right. the importance of domain names. And so I remember getting – I still use them today. Like I have Your Home Sold Fast and HomeZeroDown.com and all that stuff. Oh, perfect. And those that was truly a huge turning point in my real estate career is learning about – internet marketing, domain names, even direct response. Mm-hmm. So what kind of feedback did you get back then from that? I think because I think back then everyone thought, what the heck is that? That's a waste of time. Well, that's, you know, I, I think about that a lot because those weekends were really kind of introducing things to people, this whole concept. People were just starting to kind of search online and, and the internet was becoming a real viable um, lead generation tool. And so if you remember, the, we had a formula for Internet marketing, which was eyeballs plus emails plus hearts equal faces. And that yes. was the progression of what we needed to reach. In order to meet people, you had to first win their eyeballs. And that means you had to have a strategy to get people to your domain name, get people to your website. Once they're at your website – the most important thing was to get them to share their email address. So once they came to your website, it was the highest priority to just get them to make offer something on the site that would encourage them to leave their name and their email address so that you could bond with them and win their heart so that you could meet with them face-to-face. So that formula eyeballs plus emails plus hearts equal faces is as true today as it was then. That's the context. So the things that have changed are the ways that we can get eyeballs to your website. I mean, there was no Google AdWords back then. There was no Facebook back then. There was none of the um, other social media things that you have as opportunities to attract eyeballs to your website. And so that, that's been, you know, we were mostly doing um, print ads and offline things to, to bring people to a website so that we could get their email and communicate with them. Oh, absolutely. And didn't you, I've heard this lots of times, that you were the original creator of the Squeeze page, yeah, right? Right. So how did that come about even? Like, well, I wonder. I didn't name it. I didn't name it. But my, my friend Jonathan Mizell named it the Squeeze page. And so we were all sort of, you know, pioneering um, back then. And what I discovered was when I really got to that formula, you know, I, I'm a context 
guy. So I always look for the things, the bedrock things that are, are not changing. And, you know, I, I recently read in Peter Diamandis' um, book, Bold, uh, a portion where Jeff Bezos is is um, is talking and he as the you know head of Amazon, he says that people always ask him what's going to change in the next 10 years as if he's got like this crystal ball to see what's coming. <laughs> right. right. And he says, but nobody has ever asked me what's not going to change in the next 10 years, because that's what we're building the company around. He said, I, I can't tell and predict what technology is going to be available or around 10 years from now. But I know that 10 years from now, people are going to want as wide a selection of products as they can get. They're going to want to get them at the lowest possible price, and they're going to want to get them as fast as they can. So every technology that we adopt is only in service of those three things that are not going to change 10 years from now. So that, when you look at it now, if you have a formula, a contextual bedrock formula, like eyeballs plus emails plus hearts equal faces, the technology can come and go. And there's always going to be new to attract eyeballs to your website. Then getting their email, you have to talk about the, the squeeze page. And the way that what I was finding was that people were putting an opt-in box somewhere on their website that said, join my newsletter or get updates or, you know, do something. But it was just one of the options on, uh, on a web page. So there may have been 10 or 12 other things that you could click on. And what I found was that the less options that people had, the more people would leave their name and their email address. So it got all the way down to the only thing that somebody could do was leave their name and their email address. And the, the, um, then the, the strategy was to have something compelling enough that the people who came there would want to leave their name and their email address to get it. And so that was the birth of that strategy. So rather than having a, um, you know, I first did it with the, the first real estate website that I did. Um, and instead of saying, like all websites say, click here and click here, you know, describe what you've got, click here, and then another link and another link, I would say those same things, but I would say, you know, get a free guide to Winter Haven real estate prices. And then instead of saying click here, I'd say free inside. And then I'd say, you know, get email updates of all the properties that come on the market every week, more inside, you know, all of these options that people could get kind of like, um, I, I took the approach of it being like the table of contents of Cosmo magazine where or the cover of Cosmo magazine where you see in the grocery store, they just have all, oh, these, yeah. all these headlines that are in the magazine that compel you to buy the magazine so you can read that article, you know, and that's all I looked at the homepage of the website was to just get people excited about what was inside so that they would leave their name and their email address to come on in. 
Well, I remember one of the most valuable things I learned from you and those weekends back in the day was even the importance of the headline because you bring up Cosmo magazine, mm -hmm. right? And the whole the whole thought around Cosmo magazine is that there are certain headlines that compel you, mm -hmm. like you said, to open the magazine and want to read that article. Right. That's exactly and right. As a real estate industry, it seems like they just keep doing the same old, same old just because Billy Bob did that for years, and so we're going to copy that. Mm -hmm. And the difference is in the like I thinking back, I remember uh, what was the website? It was like Sornet or something like that. And we were able to simply say, if you want to see the the best headline, I think I we came up with back then was over five thousand homes available online at PlasterCountyMLS.com. That's right. That's the one. And yeah. Thousands and thousands of people signed up for that. Mm -hmm. And I just, I remember my business just exploded from that. Yes. But everyone wanted to make it complicated. Well, but you got to show pictures of houses and you need to show all this information. I was like, I'm just going to trust what they say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's, you know, I mean, we have people who, you know, once you have that email list, once you have a group of people who have come to a website and voluntarily left their name and their email address, you've got a valuable asset. Now, and I always would say to people, it's not about your website. It's about the ability to communicate with people. And once somebody leaves their name and their email, I don't ever care if they come back to the website because now I can communicate with them. You know, it's not, uh, we can have a dialogue. And all we're looking for when we're trying to win their hearts is to connect with them and identify the five-star prospects, the people that are most interested in, um, in buying a home. So what do, you, like, what do you think, I'm curious your opinion, what do you think is the biggest mistake that many real estate agents make when it comes to marketing? Like I know now some of the stuff, everyone's you know, talking about Zillow and Trulia and Realtor.com and all that. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think that the biggest mistake that realtors make is thinking and treating people who are not ready to buy right now like they're bad leads or bad prospects mm. you know that we saw the the one approach is that they get people to um call and listen to a free recorded message or text for information or leave their name and email and then they constantly try and get you know jump on them right away and convince them to buy right now without realizing that the reality is most people are not going to buy right now. The, the big right. value is more than um, 90 days away from now. I mean, we've done long-term kind of lead studies and found that um, there's just as much value in the second year as there is in the first year. It's 55%, 45% um, that, you know, if you're able to communicate with people on an ongoing basis with a, a weekly update, at least about what's going on um, in the market, add some personality to it, you're going to be amazed at what happens that people who are sort of um, watching and gathering information are going to all of a sudden 
be ready to start looking at homes. And it's uh, it can happen 90 days from now. It could happen nine months from now. It could happen 18 months from now. Some, sometimes we've had, had people where it's been um, six years that they've been wow. on lists and then pop out and are all of a sudden ready to um, ready to buy a house. So taking the view is really where all the, the value is and not burning out your list by trying to be too aggressive in the beginning to try and like nail them down for the appointment and get them to come into the office and, you know, trying to hurry it up. When you realize that people are going to do what they're going to do on their own time frame for their own reasons, it really becomes about being the trusted person that they contact when the time is right. So patiently being able to um, nurture that relationship over time and not just that, that sort of couples with that people often take the opposite of too aggressive approach with too passive an approach, meaning that they'll just say to people, um, Hey, if you have any questions or there's any way that I can help you, please feel free to, to uh, reach out. I'm always happy to help kind of thing. Being passively expecting that people will take the initiative. Well, the truth is that nobody likes to take the initiative and that's why even realtors take that approach themselves because they would rather somebody ask them for help so that they could jump in to serve them. That's really what they would hope would happen. But I often use the analogy of, you know, if I were to bring you into my house and sit you down in my living room and say, hey, Margarita, I'm, I'm really happy you're here. If there's anything you want to eat or drink, there's lots of stuff in the fridge. Go ahead and, and help yourself. And the odds are very, very low that you would feel comfortable enough to get up and get something from the fridge, you know. But that's the sort of equivalent of what we're doing with our prospects. We're saying, hey, if you've ever got any questions or I can help you in any way, you don't feel free to ask me. But nobody feels comfortable doing that. Now, if you contrast that and I brought you into the living room and I went into the kitchen and I came out with a plate of freshly baked cookies and I came right up to you and I said, um, hey, Marguerite, would you like a cookie? It would be very difficult not to take the cookie because it, I've got them right there. And it's especially chocolate. Yeah, exactly. Chip. <laughs> That's your weakness. Right. So but as far as like uh, the equivalent, you know, so we, we take a lot of time to really make things seem like they're already happening. You know, so instead of saying, hey, if you ever want to see um, any homes, please feel free to give me a call. Um, that sounds like you're, uh, you know, you truly would want somebody to feel comfortable, but it sounds like they're asking you to go out of your way. So one of the things we do is instead of saying, you know, whenever, if you want to see homes, give me a call, we're saying, Join us for a daily tour of homes. We run tours at 10 o'clock and 1 o'clock. Now, that sounds like it's already happening. And there's, it's a subtlety 
but it makes a big difference. Like the fact that I already baked the cookies and brought the plate to you, it's like I'm not I've already gone out of my way for you preemptively. And it would be rude for you not to take the cookie, right? It feels that way. And this is the way we're all societally wired. You know, our mothers never, you know, we never want to impose on people. And you see it all the time. I I use these social situations to illustrate it because it's that wiring that transfers over to any kind of, of business relationship too, right? So if I say to you, would you like some coffee? You say, are you having some? I mean, we all, we never want people to go out of their way, right? And if I said, would you like anything, you would never, ever in a million years say to me, you know what, would you bake me some chocolate chip cookies? (laughs) Well, I might. You might. (laughs) But that's, we've known each other for 20 years. I'm not talking about somebody that you've just met for 20 minutes, you know? Right. But if you, if you're, you know, offering that hospitality and it is not triggering this desire to not impose. If we're saying, join us for a daily tour of homes, that's different than saying, whenever you want to see homes, call me. Because that sounds like I'm, you know, taking a pretty serious step. Well, you know, it's interesting because I think most people think that the problem is they need more leads. And what I know that I figured out during, you know, the years I've known you and, and several others is the problem is not the leads. Like I've been hearing this a lot lately. The problem is not you need more leads. The problem is that you need to follow up with them and you need to build a relationship yeah. with them, like exactly what you're talking yeah. about. That's exactly and right. And too many agents, I think, or even salespeople in general, are are just they're they're so focused on that right now business mm-hmm. as opposed to taking the time to get to notes because they're in such a hurry they're in desperation mode yes, right absolutely right and taking the little bit of extra time it's so amazing that it's the little tiny things that you don't think of like when you were talking about Jeff Bezos at Amazon that's so true it's not like people are going to always want products how can you make it better how can you make the experience better mm-hmm. And I know I just ordered something, a book last week. I got it the same day. I was so shocked. I ordered oh, it in the yeah, morning. I came home right? and that's... that afternoon. I'm like, how the heck did that get here? Did, what day did I order right. it? <laughs> and there's their thing. I mean, that's, that proves it right there that you want, you want to have, you got in mind a book that you want. You, want it, you know that you can go to Amazon and any book in the world you can get. It's available there, wide selection. You know that you're going to get it for the lowest price and you know that you can get it as fast as humanly possible. So, you know, why wouldn't you go to Amazon? They couldn't make it any easier. One click with Prime. Heck, it's yeah. even, now, now you're, now you even your groceries, oh, you know, yeah. you get your, that afternoon, you get your, you know, paper towels and toilet paper. By the way, paper. I just got my Amazon Echo. Do you have one yet? I don't, but I've been uh, hearing about another one of my friends. Is it super it's cool? It's ridiculous. I mean. What does it do? Tell me a little well, bit about it. Marguerite, what's your favorite song? Well, right now I'm heartbroken because Prince died today. I know, so Purple Rain. So let's say you could say, Alexa, play Purple Rain. And she would play Purple Rain for you instantly. I mean, it's it's crazy. Wow. I I, I try and imagine how to explain this to my 10-year-old self. You know, you look back and you think there's this little tube 
and you just say, just say whatever song you want to hear and it'll play it for free, for free. <laughs> I mean, it's like ridiculous. You know, in saying that, it takes me back because, like I said, I think back to over the last 20 years and how dramatically technology has changed for us, for our industry. Mm-hmm. And but what do you think is the one constant? What are the couple of things that Well, you got to go with the bedrock. So I always say, I often say this. I mean, I've been doing this for 27 years now. And I have, you know, I look back on all the things that would absolutely work then. Like in the very first cool thing that I did was I created a guide to Halton Hills real estate prices. Now, that was before the internet, before MLS was even online. We at the time had an MLS catalog that would come every two weeks with all the new listings, right? Now, um, I would advertise this guide to Halton Hills real estate prices in the real estate publications like the Homes and Land magazine or the um, whatever Homes magazines are um, available, and people would respond. Now, if you look at, you know, people, whenever I show them something, if it's even um, three years old, they're going, but does that work in t- today's market? And I'm like, <laughs> I just want to choke them sometimes because it's like, you know, this is a fundamental thing. Somebody moving into a new area, what's one of the things that they're going to want to know? They want to know, well, what can I get for my money? How much are houses in in Halton Hills? And so having that guide, having that available for them, that was true 27 years ago, and it's true today. Sellers, when they're thinking about selling their house, what do you think a seller really wants? I mean, they want to get the most money for their house in the least amount of time with the least amount of hassle. That was true 25 years ago. And it was true 25 years before that, because that's what the real estate trainers who were saying, you know, from the 70s were saying, those are those are the things that are equally true today. So focusing on the bedrock things, the the outcome, and uh, because all the technology is advanced, but our brains are very slow to advance. Our brains were equipped the same way with the same wiring, the same emotional desires and the same needs that have been kind of, if you follow evolutionary psychology, you know, we're basically pre-wired to seek pleasure, avoid pain and conserve energy. That's the whole game right there. So you have to tell the um, cat. The cat and the Well, that's, that's that a perfect example, right? So I look at it that, you know, when you think about we're, we're trying to, at the base level, the, all the things where the decisions are made are basically the same um, main functions of, of a mouse. Like a, uh, we're, we have this little mouse brain inside of us that is the same thing. And if you look at a mouse, you know, the prime directives of a mouse are to get cheese and avoid cats. And that's really the whole game if you're a mouse. Now, when you look at it, all we want to do is do that same thing with our prospects. Is they're, they're seeking out cheese. 
You don't need to convince a mouse to try some cheese. They're seeking it out, just like people are seeking out their self-interest, cheese being a metaphor for whatever information or desire they are pursuing. So somebody thinking about moving to Winter Haven and looking for a lakefront house, that's on their mind. They're seeking information out about it. And if they see in the Homes Magazine a guide to Winter Haven lakefront house prices, that's going to be desirable to them. That's cheese. I'm not saying that's not saying thinking of buying a lakefront house, you know, choose Dean, call Dean and start packing. It's not about I'm the best, uh, you know, (laughs) lakefront specialist or anything like that. It's (laughs) all completely focused on their self-interest. So that's why we say focus on the cheese, all cheese, no whiskers. Whiskers are when we get our own desires wrapped into it. You know, Zig Ziglar used to say that you can get anything in life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. And it's all, you know, it's um, condition precedent is the way that that works. You know, that you have to get them what they want to get what you want, you know? Well, so it's it's so fascinating to me that as an industry, we are so focused on the opposite. Like you just said, so focused on branding mm-hmm. and, we want to and trying to say, I am, yeah. yeah, I'm Marguerite. I want everyone to know who I am. And that's, you know, obviously ego-based, uh-huh. but it's not effective. And you know, you can't like I try to tell help agents understand this is that I I will never have the budget of a company like Cole right. or Keller Williams or Century 21. And for the most part, people don't necessarily work with that brand because of the brand. Mm-hmm. They work with someone because someone happened to recommend they work with them a there. person and they don't care anything about that. Sometimes a brand is a shortcut for them to, if they don't have any other buddy that they know, um, you know, that's really how that goes. But when you're focused on just realizing how it happens, I mean, I, I spend a lot of time, um, you know, thinking about, and then I'm sort of on the front lines of all of the stuff that's coming in the future. I mean, hanging out with, with Peter Diamandis, who's, who runs, uh, he's the guy that started the X prize. He's got a, an event that he does in um, in Los Angeles every year. And it's kind of like a front line to the future, you know, of all the things that are happening. And as getting digitized, you know, you have things like the Amazon Echo, where every song ever written basically is available instantly for free through your Amazon Prime account. Um, it's, it's crazy. Now, when you you look at, I often think with this vision of how does this apply to real estate? How is this affecting real estate? And what I realized out of that was that the thing that is going to save the real estate industry from, you know, complete disruption, it's already been disrupted, but it's not going to be, it's not going to go away because you can't digitize the last hundred feet of a real estate transaction, right? The last hundred feet are always going to be a negotiation 
between two at least completely irrational people negotiating <laughs> the market value of the only property like this one on the market in the world right now. That requires people. That requires navigating emotions and navigating the desires and, and all of the you know, contextual information that helps people decide what a property really is worth to them. And that is a relationship stuff. Ultimately, yeah. it comes down to that the hearts are always before the faces. You know, you have to really build that relationship. It's not about um, you can't digitize the whole real estate business. You can't. It's got to be about people. And so you look at it, most people would rather work with somebody that they know and like and trust. So if you can, over time, even with prospects, build that relationship that they know you, they like you, they trust you, there's no reason that they won't call you when it's time to actually start the process. You know, there's been so much, that I think was the best thing I've heard in a long time, because there's been so much talk uh, lately, and I've even talked about it in some of the conversations I've had that follow what you're saying, is the whole Uber thing, right? The whole Uber mm -hmm. Um, of real estate and what it comes down to is exactly what you said is managing those emotions but the experience part will always be better if there is a human element mm -hmm. to it uh, you know so when I personally had an option of choosing a taxi cab over an uber I chose the uber because it was a better experience right. it wasn't even about the price oh, that's like, it and that's the thing we want. Again, we want something that is pleasurable, that there's no pain and conserves energy. And Uber ticks every one of those boxes. It's a great experience. It's instantly available. I can see the progress of it. I'm, there's no surprises. It's going to, there it is. It's on its way. You see it arriving right there. And I get to get out and just walk away. No exchange of money. I want everything to be like that. I mean, I look at now and, and we're adopting that. You know, I've got the Starbucks app and I go into Starbucks and, you know, you press, you can order and walk right up to the counter and pick it up without having to wait in line or pay. And now I actually feel, you know, um, distress when if the app isn't working or the Wi-Fi is down or some there's some that I have to wait in line like you know <laughs> uh, like the general population I'm used to getting my coffee like a diplomat you know right right well I would crack it up because earlier when you were talking about website stuff I wrote down scrolling down like when did it become like too much hassle mm. to scroll down to the bottom of right. the page. And now it, it's like that. And you talk about having a friction-free life. So help our listeners understand that a little bit because I love mm. this. I love Well, this. that's been a big um, pursuit of mine for a long time. I did a program with, uh, with Thomas Leonard um, in 1999. We created a program called A Perfect Life. And that concept of, of – you know, looking for friction and friction can be anything that, you know, this is kind of like a lifestyle design type of um, 
exercise. You know, it's just looking and mm-hmm. observing your life and looking for where there's friction in things. And it can be, well, I'll tell you one of the most recent ones. So um, I would, um, uh, there was time when I was taking uh, melatonin at night uh-huh. and I, there were like three occasions where I get all in bed, you know, you get in bed and the covers are on and you're, and it's so comfy. And then I was going to take the melatonin and I didn't have any water and I had to get up and get out and go to the kitchen and get the water. And so after the third time of this, I had my assistant Courtney set up the bottom drawer in my, my nightstand, my uh, bedside table to be a bottomless drawer of these little water bottles like you get in hotels, you know, the, just the small um, couple of ounces. Oh, that's brilliant. And now I'm, you've, I've solved that problem forever. I've never had the problem of doing that. So you're looking and you're observing where are there tolerations in your life? You know, where are things that you, um, you know, it could be a, a – a wiggly doorknob. It could be a squeaky door. It could be a broken light bulb, or it could be something, you know, you you probably have a whole list of them. And when I really first started doing that inventory of them, I made a list of all the things at the house that needed to be done. And I went for lunch with a friend who has a, um, um, a property management company. And I just said, listen, I've got this list here. And here's my secret desire. I'm going to slide this list over to you, and you're going to have you guys do every one of the things on this list, and then you're going to slide me back a piece of paper with a number on it, and I'm going to write you a check, and then we're never going to talk about it again. And <laughs> that's what happened. You know, it was like I got all of those things handled, but you know, I used to go through a thing where. I would have make my life better days, you know, where I would just consciously look and think about what would make my life better, you know, in pursuit of a a perfect life, you know, what, and and I always say, I always make a point to point out that we, you know, the program was a perfect, a perfect life, not the perfect life, which means that there are millions of, well, there's 7 billion versions of a perfect life. You get to choose what that is for you, you know? You know, I was thinking about this because in thinking back again, back in the day, we talked about how to make the ultimate experience Mm -hmm. for your clients. And it's the same thing. Like, what are the little, it's not the big stuff. It's never the big stuff. It's the little teeny tiny details. Like, I know you even talk about having your your bags shipped instead of having to go through the whole line and opening yeah. up your bags. And all that. I mean, you know, Joe and I would do, we would do big seminars every month somewhere in the country. We did that for 14 years together. And yeah. um, so I got to the point where I would have um, my bags um, packed and shipped to the hotel when we were doing the event. Um, you know, I would valet park at the Hyatt hotel here in Orlando, which was attached to the hotel attached to the airport. So valet park right there, walk up, go up the elevator and then, you know, five or 10 paces to the security line and go through and had, you know, um, just my ticket on already, um, you know, pre 
checked in or whatever and just walk on right. to the plane and then walk off the plane and get the limo and go to the airport or go to the hotel and they'd say oh you're uh we have a package for you would you like that brought up to your room <laughs> absolutely i would you know and there you go it's like no friction in the traveling at all mm-hmm. so la- last year joe and i went to spain for two weeks we took a vacation to spain and we decided that we were going to go with uh, carry-ons mm-hmm, only. perfect and everyone said, well, that's crazy. How are you going to go for that. two weeks yeah. with only a carry-on? And so we went to this whole little packing class. It was kind of, it was really funny. We went to this whole little class and learned how to pack. And now I can't even imagine going anywhere without, with just, yeah. without anything more than oh, a carry-on. Funny. And I was talking to my husband, Joe, about Australia in oh, August, because yeah. I know you're doing your event there. So I'm, I'm still working on how to make that happen. Perfect. And I was telling them, I go, I can completely, all I need is a carry-on. I can make it there for two weeks. Mm-hmm. I do. I'll be there <laughs> for three weeks simple. with a carry-on. Yeah. <laughs> well, so as we wrap up today, I just wanted to ask if there is one thing that you see coming down the pike for the real estate industry, what piece of advice would you give or what changes do you see happening that, that might give us a little bit of insight into what direction we should focus our energy. Well, I, I think that um, the biggest opportunity that people have that they don't look, um, they don't take advantage of is multiplying the listings that they already have. I just think there's oh, so brilliant. much opportunity there, you know? Um, so I've been really like focusing on that as a, um, you know, as a focus because there's so many opportunities and there's so much wasted um, and lost by not focusing on it, you know? So you talked about this recently. Mm-hmm. Is this, do you want to expl- I can, can you explain absolutely. a little bit more and then we'll sure. wrap up? Because I loved this. I, I don't remember what you were well, talking about it on. Yeah. It's the point system, right? Here's right? what I say. So I developed a, okay. a standard metric that we can measure with your listings. And so I created a listing multiplier index. And how we calculate that is that if we look back at the last 10 listings that you've taken that have either sold or been withdrawn or expired but ended in some way, um, we want to look at how many points you got on each of those listings. So there's five opportunities. And the first is that you got the listing sold. So they put it in MLS and the property sold, and that would be one point. Now, that's often the only thing that people think about, right? They put it in MLS, right. know that if they price it right and promote it to the other agents and, you know, get the right agents interested in it, that somebody's going to come along with a buyer and buy it and there you go. And they could celebrate that. But if we look at it, there's so much that they've lost by not really leveraging that listing. So every time you get a listing, you've got the opportunity to not only get it sold and get one transaction, you've got the opportunity to find the buyer for that house. You've got the opportunity to find a buyer that buys another house, not the one that you have for sale, but you met them through marketing the listing that you have. You've got the opportunity to get the next listing in the neighborhood or to get a listing from a buyer who is going to buy that house or buy another house. And you've got the opportunity to get a referral from the seller. 
So if you look at each of the last 10 listings that you have and you give yourself a score out of five for each of those listings, how many of those points did you get? And you add that up over those 10, you're going to come up with a number out of 50. So you could, if, if, you, if all your listings sold, but you didn't get any of the extra points, you, you would have 10 points out of 50. If you maybe got a couple of buyers that bought other homes, you, maybe, you're, maybe you got 15 points out of 50. Whatever you got, we divide that by 10, and that gives you an index. So if you got 15 points out of 50, your listing multiplier index is 1.5. And that means that basically given your current system, the way that you run things now, each listing that you take is worth 1.5 transactions. So the goal is to implement systems and strategies that get that up to two or three or four so that on average, every time you take a listing, you've got not just that one transaction, but you're getting two or three transactions. It's, it's huge. Oh, it's so, you know, we did this in your, um, in your workshop. Mm -hmm. I can't, I don't remember which one it was, but we did this. I remember doing this at the end of last year and being, I was so embarrassed Mm. (laughs) when I, when I looked at it, I'm like, Oh my, like something so simple. I didn't even really think about. And when I went back and looked over it, I was like, look at all the potential business mm-hmm. and that's just that way I I do it. when I when I have people go through this I have them assign a value to that so let's say that each transaction is worth um, is worth ten thousand dollars and you got a score of 10 out of 50 on that so the last 10 listings brought you one hundred thousand dollars but if you had (coughs) gotten all of it you know if there you got all five of those things that's five hundred thousand dollars and so by getting all your listings sold and collecting a hundred thousand dollars you've actually lost four hundred thousand dollars and that's where you know i it just breaks my heart marguerite to hear people say things like well our market's really strong i don't have to to do an open house or, you know, it's going to sell anyway. They're selling so fast. So I don't look at it as a have to thing. I look at it as a get to thing, you know, and, and there's just so much opportunity there. Well, and it takes you, takes you back to what we were talking about is that you don't need more leads. Mm -hmm. You need to take better care of the business that you have have, because Yeah, do you have, I mean, you don't have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars mm-hmm. in these lead generating machines. If you just multiply one listing times five, right. you just times your That's business, it. times your, your revenue, your volume and everything. Yeah. So. And sometimes the cheapest and easiest thing is a simple info box flyer. You know, we've been doing um, an experiment here over the last um, two weeks and these um the info box flyers are just incredible as lead generators, you know? Yeah. And those are being not credited anymore. Like I know for a while, the QR code, and I was like, that's too much. Mm -hmm. It is. There's friction. There's friction. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you just start to think of things and what causes friction, it's life changing, not only for your business, but for your life. Mm -hmm. 
Well, Dean, I could talk to you for hours and hours. I know we have in the past, but I know you have a very busy life and schedule. And I'm so honored that you took the time for us today. I, we've got probably a hundred zillion great tips and and stuff from you. So thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time. Awesome. And I'm working on Australia. Okay, good. To figure out how to get Perfect. There. I'll be there. <laughs> Well, if anyone wants to hear more about Dean or get in contact with him, head on over to ilovemarketing.com or where else? DeanJackson.com? Oh, go to uh, gogoagent.com. That's where I got all oh, the cool yes. stuff going on right now. Yeah, that's all the great, great real estate mm-hmm. stuff. So hop on over there. Thank you again, Dean. Thanks, Marguerite. All right, and make it a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today on Real Estate Real World where we talk with masters and leaders in real estate and beyond on how we can raise the bar in our industry. Please subscribe over on iTunes. And while you're there, be sure to give us a review. Your reviews encourage us and help others find our podcast. For show notes and hot topics on what's going on right now in our real estate industry, pop on over to www.realestaterealworld.com and add your name to our email. Thanks again for listening and go out there, be a part of the elite masterclass in raising the bar on the real estate industry.